Blog Talk Radio. Finch. Hi, this is Mildred Tassoni with Welcome to the Neighborhood, and I have Donna Chank in here. Hi, Donna. Hi. Finch. Finch. Hi, this is Mildred Tassoni with Welcome Finch. Hi, this is Mildred Tassoni and Jason Marcus, and we're on Real Estate Coast to Coast. Jason, you there? Hi, Mildred. Hi, uh, Gail Harnett and uh, Carrie Harnett are both out at the Realtors Conference um, today, so we're going to record this, and then we'll hear what they have to say next week. So, so it's been a big week, Jason. You want to go? Um, uh, start with the information on the bills, the bill that was Absolutely. Yeah. Well, excitingly, um, Congress, um, the Senate, the House, and inevitably the President signed off on the extension of the $8,000 tax credit um, that first-time home buyers have been receiving, um, which was supposed to end on November 30th now has been extended where you need to be into contract on a home by the end of April and close before the end of June. Um, a couple other additions to that tax credit um, for not even first-time home buyers is $6,500 tax credit for move-up buyers, which is very exciting. First time we've seen any legislation on that. Um, that particular verbiage um, states that if you've owned a house um, five out of the last eight years, you can qualify for that tax credit. Another addition that they made to the tax credit, which probably doesn't help out, um, a, well, doesn't affect a significant part of the country, but has been something that's been affecting us in the Northeast or in um, you know suburban um, areas is the income levels in regards to that tax credit, where a single individual um, was with an income of $75,000 was where the single person limit was at 150 for a married couple um, has now been increased, which helps us out drastically, um, where now somebody who's making $125,000 as a single individual and 225000 as a married couple combined income can qualify for the full $8,000 tax credit. So those changes um, have been very well received and should help out on a whole other slew of who inevitably were going to not qualify for that $8,000 credit. So hopefully that's going to help us continue to spark um, what I find is a fundamental um, starting point in getting this economy back going, which is the housing market, especially through historically the slowest time of the year for house purchases. Um, one thing is uh, that I'd like you to talk about, because there's a lot of questions of uh, if you've lived, if you if you're selling a residence that you lived in five out of the last eight years, you can qualify for the $6,500 credit. So, um, and from some of the things that I read, it said even if you had moved out and were renting that home for the past two years, but you had lived five out of the past eight, you would still be eligible for that credit. So could you maybe talk a little bit about 
that particular scenario and give people a picture on that because I know there's a lot of confusion. I think you hit that right on the head, actually, like your description and, uh, of what you just said um, couldn't be any more accurate. Um, if over, naturally you need five out of the last eight years. So even if, let's just say you purchased a house in um, 2004 or 2003, let's just use that as an example, lived there for five years, either sold the house, um, left it and started renting somewhere else, you would still qualify for that $6,500 credit um, regardless. So um, as long as you've been a home buyer, most people, it's going to just be a general normal move. Like that scenario, even though it is, does qualify and it has been thrown out there in a lot of media um, posts on the tax credit, the average normal person is going to sell their house and then just buy but if they've owned in the last five years and now they're selling and they're going to wind up purchasing something, they're going to get that $6,500. Right. And they can buy a co-op or a condo um, and, and sell a co-op or a condo. That will count, correct? To my understanding, from what the verbiage and my um, understanding of it, yes, that's accurate. It looks like um, any sort of um, dwelling purchase should fall under this criteria. Even two families still, correct? Yeah, I believe two families. I didn't see anything in regards to it just being single family. Um, yeah. As uh, it's one of those things where it's it's just released. Um, a lot of right. times we it takes them a couple weeks, even a month, where um, the certain little ins and outs of the bill kind of surface. But I didn't hear anything in regards to it needing to be just a single family dwelling. Yeah. Um, and so what if, it, I know the uh, previous bill had things where you couldn't be in contract um, before a certain date, um, but now if somebody was in contract after the, even during the um, last Friday, then they would still be eligible? Yeah, it actually goes by the closing date. Um, okay. It doesn't really matter when that all came to fruition, and anybody moving forward, um, it's not like this starts on December 1st, the second um, the president inked his signature on that bill. Um, at that point in time, it automatically translated um, moving forward with anybody, even if you're already in contract. The only thing that it would have had a difference on would be if people closed, but since they're keeping it at $8,000 in the tax credit, um, it doesn't make a difference. The only thing that I'm not sure of, which is something that I'm going to try to check into, is if someone closed, let's just say, on Thursday and their income was 100000 and then the president signed it into law on Friday, and now um, obviously that person that was making 100000 didn't qualify, but now based on the new, um, this new bill does qualify, does that person reap the benefits or are they out of luck in that case. And that's the one thing that I really am going to uh, work diligently on this week to try to figure out because that could have a huge factor on people. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because um, you want everybody to get as much as they can. So um, now let's talk about the, so then they'll have to close by uh, June, 30th. June 30th. No, they have to close by 
Don't they yeah, have close. to close by April 30th? And then no, they have to be in contract by April 30th. Uh, uh, okay, and then just close by June 30th. Perfect. Correct. Then that's if they opt to not extend it any further. Um, yeah. we, I think a lot of the reason why they're um, not committing to the whole year is that they really want to get a feel for um, just the direction the economy is moving in. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I think it's any sort of um, future extensions will always be either on a quarterly or um, two-quarter basis just so they can get the um, assessment of a couple of quarterly reports in regards to how the economy is moving. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how are we on interest rates this week? Still phenomenal. I mean, they, they've been, you know, they've been hovering around the 5% mark. Uh, they continue to um, stay pretty, on the whole, on the overall scheme of things, they've been pretty flat. Um, it hasn't been much in regards to it shooting up or shooting down. A couple good days followed by a couple bad days, and that's kind of been where we are. Um, as we both know, these interest rates have been deflated by the federal government by their purchasing of mortgage-backed securities, which has allegedly been ceased. So future is telling us that there's more to expect in rising interest rates. And I actually mentioned this um, in a meeting this week where the arch enemy of interest rates is inflation. And any time the federal government comes out and starts talking about um, an inflationary economy, even though we've been sitting in a deflated economy for, you know, the better part of 18 months, it's something to keep an eye on because the best way to control inflation is to raise interest rates and the prime interest rates. So the second we get to the point where we're getting um, good news, and especially after the unemployment rate starts coming down, you have to expect a a rising interest rate market. Mm -hmm. So now really is about as low as it's going to go. I mean, if if you're sitting, if, if you're one of those people out there and for some ungodly reason you're still on the fence and debating whether this is a good time to buy, um, you, you really, you probably need a psychiatrist more than you need a real estate agent at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Go out there and buy a house. I mean, it, it's just not going to get much better than this. Or you know? even even uh, we've been um, showing in uh, some condos and co-ops. That is, you know, even if you don't want a house, people think, oh, house, I don't want a house. But here in New York, anyway, you have condos and co-ops, and I know you have townhouses in other parts of the country, um, that, you know, instead of paying rent, get a, get have a condo or a co-op. Um, yeah, I mean, regardless, owning anything is like, and being able to take the advantages of, um getting federal tax deductions on interest paid um, and something that's going to inevitably accumulate um, equity, uh, it just makes all the logical sense in the world from a financial standpoint. Yeah. Um, Oh, I just was thinking of something. Um, Well, it'll come back to me. Um, Any uh, comments about – oh, yeah, I know what it was – construction. So are these – the construction, I know we've spoken about that. Are these loans affected by any of this? This could be combined with some of some of these the loans that um, that people can get as first-time home buyers, or even the trade-up people. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? No, just elaborate if you could. The ten, you know, the ten thousand dollars you can, if you need, if a house that you want to purchase has construction issues, that in order to move in, you have to redo the kitchen because there's no kitchen. Oh, you, you mean like rehab loans? No, I mean as long as you're going to. It's always based on the closing part of it. Like the cool thing with the construction or the um, rehab loans is that you have a six-month window to get it done, but the thing is it's based on closing. And for you to get even into that six-month um, rehab period, um, it would require you closing on the mortgage prior to that. So in regards to getting it in, if let's just say you find a house in January, um, you're in love with it, but it needs some work, and you're going to wind up doing, let's say, a 203K through the FHA to do a rehab loan on it, mm -hmm. um, you'll definitely close it in time, and it doesn't matter that um, you're going to exceed June 30th in regards okay. to the construction still being done. Okay, great. Okay, so that's There's one other thing I forgot to mention. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, the tax credit is for houses up to $800,000. Right, and that's different. That's um, uh, before there wasn't any limit. Now there is, right? Correct. Right. But I mean, that's still. I think that that what they're trying to do is what you alluded to before in regards to the multifamily, like especially in our market, that kind of um, almost itself causes like us to only be able to do one and two families because most three families um, exceed that eight hundred thousand dollars in our market. Mm -hmm. So it almost like, even though there's not a direct, okay, um, we're only doing this with one or we're only doing this with one and two families, like the limit set by um, that mark of 800000 almost um, disqualifies your more than two family dwellings. Yeah. So, Okay. Well, thank you very much, Jason. And um, we'll have some more information from Gail and Carrie next week. And um, we'll talk to you then. Thanks. All right, great. Yeah. Take care, Bye. Melter. Bye.